Hello and welcome to Equine Voices Podcast. My name is Ronnie, an intuitive equine communicator. I hope you enjoy this episode and thank you for listening. Hello, my name is Ronnie from Equine Voices and welcome to an interview with Bernadette Spillane from the Happy Dog Ranch in Colorado. She can introduce herself and explain how she became the founder, along with her, her husband, John, of the Happy Dog Ranch and how this idea came about through her, her own horse. So she can explain all about it. Hi, Bernadette, and welcome. And thank you so much for agreeing to do um, this little interview with me. Thank you, Ronnie. Would you like to introduce yourself and just explain a little bit about yourself and also what it is you do and what Happy Dog Ranch is? I've always been kind of enamored with horses and had contact with them like once a year, kind of like on a vacation kind of basis, like dude ranches, things like that. And then I hit the age of 48 and I said, if I'm going to have a horse or do more, I better do it now. If not now, when would I do it? And so I started taking lessons and about a year and a half later, my husband, as an anniversary present, bought me a young Arab. He was four years old. Which, if everyone knows, it's like green or green, not a good idea. Green or green, blue, black, black and blue. And this young Arab was an amazing horse, but it had a lot of issues. And I wasn't capable of knowing how to solve its issues. And so I started on this path of trying to check out different trainers, things like that, to see how I could become a better owner for this horse. At one point, about a year after I had it, it hurt its back really badly. And when it was turned out, and I started reaching out to an animal communicator. And the animal communicator, I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with them, but this animal communicator was in Evergreen, Colorado, which was about an hour and a half from where my horse was kept. I was living in downtown Denver at the time, or actually Littleton, and the horse was out by the airport. So we were all triangulated. Nobody was close to each other. And she did this interview over the phone with this horse. The information she gave me was so incredibly accurate. I was kind of blown away because he had so many little health issues going on that we just could not nail down. So we finished up this interview and she was remarking about how talkative he was. And she asked him one last question, which was, do you have anything else you want to add? And the horse said, well, yes, she's going to move me. Well, I'm living in a townhome. There's no way I'm moving the horse. I don't have any place to move it to. And he says, no, no, she's going to move me. And he showed her a picture in her mind of a place that looked like Golden Colorado, which is low foothills, kind of dry, just outside of town. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> you know, that was it. So lo and behold, six months later, we bought this property. And this property looks just like Golden. So this horse, six months before we bought the property, predicted that we were going to get it and move him. And he started it. So his name was Zoom. And he continued to have problems most of his life, actually. And because of that, it took us on a direction and a course that we probably would never have gone on, except we wanted him to feel better. So that's the beginning. Four-year-old Arab. <laughs> I like when you said green on green. Yeah. And that's amazing that you got communication from your horse saying that where you was going to move to. So it looked like golden, but it was actually the ranch that you're at, that you're at now. Yes, which is about half an hour south, 30 minutes south of Golden. But same hills, same general look to it that Golden has. And he didn't say that. And he just showed a picture. Yes. Wow. So what happened then? You bought the place at Littleton. Was it 53 acres that you had? Yes. 
So you, so you moved in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we moved in. We had decided when our children um, moved out that we didn't need to have a shovel or a rake. We would live in a townhome. Someone would take care of the yard. And suddenly we had a ranch where we needed all kinds of implements. So one of the first things we bought was called a skid steer, which is like a bobcat. And they kept talking about a skid steer. And I thought they were talking about another kind of animal. And then I realized it was a bobcat. That's like a tractor to help us move hay and plow, things like that. I mean, it was a total reversal of everything we had known and done. And we also realized that if it's 53 acres, we couldn't have just one horse. I mean, he didn't want to be by himself. So we thought we'd get like six horses. That would be perfect. We could have two pasture buddies and four like rideable horses. So we had kind of this quest to find horses. And that's kind of how it started. So we started with six horses. Um, one of them had wobbles. One of them, which was a neurological disease. And then one of them was uh, abused Mustang. The others were horses that we knew were about 10 years old. And we still have them. And they're amazing. The two pasture horses have both passed now, but the horse with wobbles lived to be about 18, which was miraculous. I think that the environment that we were able to create here, I think, helped support them. It made me feel good because, again, because I was new and I didn't know what I wanted and I didn't know what to look for, I think I was more open to listening to the horses. And I would watch how my horse soon was being trained. And I think they were wonderful trainers. It's just that he, he didn't look happy. And so I'd be like, something's wrong. She looks just as look happy. And so that kind of got me on this path of, so what does that look like in a horse when they look quiet and calm and receptive? Like the dude ranch horses were always turned out at night on a pasture. And even though they worked hard during the day, they were pretty happy horses and they were very calm. And I found out that most boarded horses just seemed very agitated all the time. And that was something I wasn't expecting either. I just thought horses were calm. And I thought that they were indestructible, you know, and turns out they're very fragile and very, very sensitive and very intelligent. Once that awareness came in, my quest then was to find trainers that would support that kind of training and people, body workers who would support the greater health and well-being of the horse. And so that's, that's kind of how it started. And again, it was because of Zoom. That's an amazing story. And you use your intuition. Like you said, when you was watching your horses, you was just feeling what was going on with them and, and you sort of question things, which is what it's about. I know that you've run quite a few courses. You run weekend workshops. You have some with Mark Rashid, don't you? Do you have the communicator? Does she come out to the ranch as well? Actually, the communicator comes out once a year now and she does like a whole, like a ranch interview. And the horses really line up to talk to her. <laughs> Amazing. So I'll have horses that I have questions about. If they're not, don't appear to be thriving, if they don't appear to be integrating into the herd well, then I just want to find out what do we need to do? What are we missing? Because the perspective the horse has is so different from our perspective. It's very eye-opening and it adds such clarity. And I'm going to say like humanity, you know, the horses are rarely judgmental. They're they say nice things, they say honest things, and it's kind of life-changing to actually listen to their, if you could hear their words, to listen to how they would put it. It's fascinating. And it's funny because you're standing there with the communicator and your horse is right there. So the validity of what she's passing on to you is evident in the horse. And the horse will literally look from you to her like she's the interpreter. Because she's accurate, that's why they line up. If she was doing anything to fabricate what they were saying or not properly translated, 
then the horses, I think, would not line up for her because they're very into congruency, that what you say is what you are. They want that in people. Why horses are so good with psychotherapy work? Because they intuitively, maybe because they're prey animals, I've heard explanations that they have a very large gut system. And as prey animals, they're constantly checking their environment. And because of that, they are extremely sensitive to currents that don't match up because that could be dangerous for them. So people that aren't congruent, I'm happy today. I'm happy, happy, happy. But really, everything they're doing is like they're angry, you know, and the horses can't tolerate it. So one of the things we try to work with with our volunteers is how do we come to that place that we are who we are and own that while we're with the animals? And if we can do that for a short period of time with the animals, we can start doing it the rest of our life. We have one woman who does workshops here. Her workshop's called The Call of the Horse. We have people who have never been around horses who feel drawn to come to be part of our volunteer program. So there's something there that's very different from other work. And the horses reward you for it because they're just amazing. It's a lovely place. I mean, I've only ever been once. Um, and that was through Sue Hill, your dear friend, that um, introduced me. Because I mentioned that I was going out to the States. And I said, can you suggest anywhere? And I think I'd seen some posts where she'd stayed at yours. And she says, you know, happy dog ranch and to contact you. And I was so pleased that I did because it was such a lovely, a lovely place. And I was really sad to go. I remember I was in the pasture and I think I was going back the next day and I was doing a little video with the horses. And I felt really emotional because I felt like I was at home. It was so and as I'm saying that now, I can feel that motion. I'm tapping back into that time. And I can really feel that connection. And it was such a friendly place. Everybody there was friendly, especially yourself, Bernadette and John. And yeah, everybody I met was so friendly. That's nice. And I definitely, definitely can't wait to come back again. I mean, I think that you just integrated so well. You were so open to everything. And then I remember you pitching in. I remember the day of the big snow. She's on vacation. <laughs> It was so exciting. I mean, I said to you earlier, it was so exciting to have dry snow. And then when it goes, the ground's dry. It, it, that was so exciting. And the fact that the temperature was extreme one day, I'm sure it wasn't as cold as you normally used to it. But for me, it was like, oh my goodness, that's cold. But it didn't feel that cold. It was different. It's different to here. The sun was out, but yet it was still minus, well, I don't know, whatever it was. <laughs> I can't remember. I loved it. And then I used that base for a few days just to go out visiting a few places. And I actually went to Golden. I went to visit Golden. Oh. I went to see a lady that I'd met on Facebook and she was up in the mountains and I managed to see her in a horse, which was really nice. Anyway, never mind about me. Let's get back to, back to you. So how has is, how is the last year been for you guys at um, the ranch? How have things evolved? I, I think at, at Running Nurses, we do a lot of workshops. So when our journey started with Zoom and trying to help him better and help me become a better, I think, person, actually, but better horseman, we started looking for people who could support them. And one of the things we realized is that with 53 acres, other people, veterinarians, some horse trainers, some body workers, were seeing horses in distress who would probably have been euthanized had they not been able to come to the ranch. So we started taking in horses. and. Pretty soon we had like 16 horses and we're like, we cannot keep doing this. And so that's where we became a nonprofit. So in 2011, we became a full run 501c3 nonprofit. And what that allowed then was 
we could more openly let people come and volunteer were one thing, which was huge, and take in donations to help support the animals. But we also realized that if you have enough horses, it's like that thing of if you build it, they will come. All these people would come to help. It was like five or six horses. After we didn't really need them. They didn't feel needed. Now we have 40 plus horses and we need them and they need us. And, and the dynamic has changed of this really supportive, I think, synchronistic group of people that come, you know, all the volunteers could have come and go because they can't always, but we have some that have been here for years. But because of that, and because of the help we were able to get and horses coming in and out, we, we don't adopt our horses out. Every once in a while, there's a horse that comes in and someone bonds with it instantly. Like that was it. And it's at that sense, we would adopt before they become part of the herd. What we were finding was that the horses felt like this sense of expectancy. They couldn't relax. They couldn't make friends because in their lifetime, they'd already seen herd members taken away or they were moved. And horses are herds and they're very familial. And they kind of needed that to feel good again, especially the horses that we were seeing. And they know, they understand that that chance of them surviving was not good because euthanasia was on the table. So we chose early on not to adopt horses out, that this would be a sanctuary. And so our herds tend to be very stable. And the herds within the herd, there's a main herd. Within the herd, there's little pods and they look after each other. I mean, I've had a horse come up and get me to go look at another horse that I could see that was having a problem. I've had an off-the-track racehorse tell me that a 35-year-old Hanoverian had fallen down and couldn't get up. And when I put the halter on her and to get her, this horse grabbed the other end of the lead rope to help me walk her in. The things that these horses know, their sense of connection, it's beautiful and it's powerful. And if the herd is stable and balanced and we look for that, I mean, it's beautiful. That's why I think you can walk in the herd and feel safe. You have this blanket of, it's like you're wrapped in something, you know? And I realize not everyone gets to live with the horse in their backyard. I feel like that was my 12-year-old self, kind of fast, biggest dream come true. I have all these horses here. I think I'm getting off topic. Yeah. So what happened was in this quest to, to do all that, we realized that we had enough horses, a number of things would happen. So we've had body workers come, tall grass animal acupressure massage comes and does at least one, maybe two workshops here a year. We have people who do cranial sacral on horses, which is all these modalities are amazing. And they will come and train people how to do cranial sacral, but they use on horses. So our horses benefit from humans getting the chance to have a new skill set, a vocational skill set. Linda Tellington has been here to do a number of different workshops, sometimes with horses, sometimes with dogs. And then Mark Rashid comes and we, we love how he integrates the concepts of Aikido with horsemanship. It's a very energetic, it's a very deeply felt kind of horsemanship. It goes way beyond technique. So once you get kind of your technique down, there's this other place you can go to in which you really connect with the horse. And that's what we love. And we try to follow his principles, Lititan's principles. We have other people too. Anna Twinney is amazing. So we try to follow their principles and how we handle all the horses here at the ranch. I think that the, the result is that the horses are quiet and calm. Because they're quiet and calm and they've been used and the volunteers see them, every horse gets seen at least twice a week, groomed, walked, feet done, ridden if they're rideable. We can use them in psychotherapy work. So we also have Denver University here in um, 
Colorado, has a special sociology department called the Institute for the Animal-Human Connection. They're studying how animals help humans in every way, in every sense of well-being, how animals support human beings. And they come out and do longer workshops with therapists. And it's like, I think it's a master of certification program. There's Gestalt Equite Institute of the Rockies that comes here four times a year to do intensive to train therapists how to integrate horses into into their workshops. Because horses can break through all the talk therapy where we get to the point where we can't get past anything, Mm -hmm. horses can break through. And last weekend, we had Hope Held by a Horse, which is a um, breast cancer survivor group. And the horses just know. And they'll, you know, come and touch your shoulder, put their head in your chest or just hang out with you. And everything breaks loose. All the things we were like holding on to that we don't need anymore, the horses help us let go of that. And they don't believe in stories. And the horses that have bad backgrounds, they don't want us to keep telling their story. Things have changed now that really let it go and move forward. And that's a good lesson for all of us. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I was just smiling a minute. I was trying to think my horse was having her feet trimmed by um, a barefoot trimmer. She's recently become pregnant. So she's stopping until she's had a baby. And I didn't know, but she was doing my horse and, and Toots kept touching her belly really gently. And she complained about her back, I think, the previous time. She says, oh, I've just got to be a bit careful because I've had a bit of a backache. And Toots was, was just really gentle and had a nose on her tummy while she was doing it. And then she was nestling into her neck, which she does sometimes, but it was really sweet. And then as she was leaving, she says, oh, I didn't really want to tell you because She's, but I'm, I can't do anymore because I'm, I'm going to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh my God, she knew she was pregnant, but she was so gentle with her. And it was the fact that she was touching her tummy the whole time. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's amazing. <laughs> it's so sweet. But also, I know if my emotions are getting the better of me, because there's a few changes going on with me. So I'm really trying to stay focused. And when I'm not doing that, Toots almost says, go away and sort yourself out because your energy is too much. I'm really aware of that. And I try to do that, but every now and then I, I forget. But she will show me physically as well that something's going on. I mean, there are things going on with her, but she will show me, especially if I'm blocking myself and I'm not wanting to move forward. And I do want to move forward, but there's something blocking me, which is me, obviously. And she will show me that physically. And I'll go, okay okay I'll do it I'll let go and just go with the flow they are amazing amazing creatures and they are so sensitive but yeah more sensitive than people realize more sensitive than people realize and I think they're big animals so people don't realize they're afraid of them that fear projects itself in I think cruelty at times not because they need to be cruel but in their head they think this is a big animal I better be big about my movements I better be you know strong about this when actually it's actually very subtle things are picking up and we can actually be somewhere smaller and quieter than we thought and I think that's what's different that's I think good for us too because we have to realize that bringing energy up doesn't have to mean bringing emotion up because I have to swing a rope harder to make a point doesn't mean I have to be mad and swing it harder you know these huge life lessons and not just how to be with them but how to be with people and i think it's the biggest change we see is it's an eye-opener because we so want to be with this animal if we do it correctly and they enjoy being with us mm. then we have to change in a good way absolutely and i think a lot of people if they had to 
do that with a person. They might not necessarily put the effort in. If it's with a horse, and especially their horse, they, they do it because they really want to make a change. And they, sometimes it can be because they actually want what it is they dream of to come back to them. But as they go through time, and as they realize, they can let go of that side. Yeah. So it's not quite as, well, I'm doing this because of. And I don't think it's always intentional. Because I've done that myself in the past. You know, you do things because you have something you want to do. Yeah. I get so much pleasure just sitting with my horse and not doing a great deal, but just being in, in her company. And that's what I'll, t- I'll tell my clients is the same thing. It's not the same doing. It's not the same as just being with them. You can go three times a day, you know, you can be busy, but just being in their energy for no reason yeah. and just seeing what comes is really different. And you notice when you don't do it. So it's not always a tangible visual big thing, but when you stop doing that, there's something, you sense something different. And that's the only way I, I can ex- explain that to people. Yeah. So where does John fit in? For a long time, we didn't tell John. We wouldn't let him count how many horses we had. And we'd be like, oh, that's the same round horse, John. Well, but he retired about two years ago. So now he knows how many horses we have. Uh, you know, none of this would have happened without John. I think that maybe I started us on the path, but John is the one who supported it because there's times when really the monies, the funds aren't coming in and we have to personally dig deep and support the animals. And that's where John and it's been amazing. And and now he's retired. <laughs> Turns out he's an awesome ranch hand. Who knew? <laughs> he's actually a lawyer by training. And I sat behind a desk for how many years? And now he's out using the tractor and the skid steer and knocking <laughs> and riding. And in some ways, I think this is his 12-year-old self also getting a chance to show up. Because I think every little boy probably had a tractor at some point and they had the the cowboy and the horse thing, and now he gets to do all of it. It's been really cool, and we get to do it together, which is really nice. And our son helps us at the ranch too, so that's it's kind of a family affair. Yeah, so that's been that's been really good. You both contribute to running the place, but it's a passion as well. So it's retired, and obviously John's retired is completely different. <laughs> yes, you may want to be the lawyer. <laughs> well, that probably keeps his mind active and. Yeah, he's not a sit at home and sit on the couch. He's an outside person. What we've got coming up at Happy Dog Ranch for the rest of this year and, and going into next year. What's exciting is there's a couple of workshops that we couldn't do because of COVID and they still have some restrictions. We were working with a group from Canada, Upledger, Sandy Howlett, and she was doing some amazing cranial sacral classes and she hasn't been able to come, but she'll be back, I hope, next year. Mark Rashid and Jim Masterson, who does Masterson Method, which is a really quiet, hands-on healing method that is just phenomenal. He'll be back next year in conjunction with Dr. Steve Peters to do the horse's break. And so you see Mark and Jim analyze a rider and horse, and then Jim does body work on the horse to show how much can change when a horse can release pressure or tension. And then at the end of it is the spring seminar where Dr. Peters has been studying the neurology of the horse to understand how horses truly learn. And that has been fascinating. So next year, they're going to expand it to an extra day for the brain seminar. It's fascinating. And it's like we were talking about intuitively, we know that the horse needs to respond to these things, but we kind of override that. And so we go to have more 
harsh methods, I think sometimes, harsher bit, harsher saddle, uh, bigger movement. And the brain seminar points out how horses actually learn by much more subtle means. And that's really good. I think what's nice about it too is that when you come to see Mark and Jim and Steve work together, for one thing, they collaborate, which is awesome. But we realize that a lot of us override our own intuition, that we see something happening with a horse or a trainer, but we kind of disempower ourselves. And because we're like, I don't know, they're the trainer. I should do what they say because they're the expert. When actually we probably do know. And I think it's the idea is if more people could see a different way to do it, they might be more inclined to speak up on behalf of the horse and stop doing some of the, the things that are pretty prevalent out there still for horse training. One of the things we get a lot of are horses with behavior problems and the behavior problems go away when they are treated differently, but they're fighting for their life. They feel like they have to defend themselves because so many methodologies are very harsh. And yeah. that again, you watch these clinics with these people and you go, I, I, I thought that, but I let go of it because who am I? But you actually, you know more than you think. You feel your heart guide you and kindness guide you and quiet. You're almost always right. That's the crazy part. Even if you don't know what you're doing, you're probably right because you did it quietly, calmly, and again with love. So I think sometimes when you get a horse, you have a dream and, and you see how it works for everybody else and you see what the norm is that's supposed to be norm. You go down that route when you're green, you just go where you think the, the knowledge is and you trust and, and you think, well, they know what they're doing, you know. And yes, they may have results, but the foundations uh, are not there and you have the problems later on. Whereas if you can do it sympathetically and kindly and as a partnership with your horse, that's nicer because... I think it's not about telling them what they have to do because they don't have a lot of choices. But if you show that this is what you'd like and you're in a communication with each other, and they're more able to show you what they can do and, and can't do physically because sometimes they're not able to physically do that, but they'll still try. Then they have problems down, down the line. Does that make sense? Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. And we have a really fascinating vet who comes, who retired from her other practice so that she could just do wellness with horses. And you would be surprised how many horses have ulcers. And the ulcers, any kind of stress and how quickly they can get them. I think sometimes back pain is actually ulcer pain. That's been one of the biggest things we realized. And that anytime we get a new horse in now, we immediately started on ulcer medications. Because changing a stall in a barn into a different orientation, different horses around it can create an ulcer. But you think you're doing a wonderful thing for your horse, but for the horse, they knew what their life was. And now you just upped and moved it. And mm. I think that was a big one because they are that sensitive. And just like people, it, it kind of churns inside. They're not allowed to show it. They're stoic and they're prey animals. So it becomes a stomach issue. And that starts to attitude for them. They start to bite. They might kick. But they don't want to be cinched now. It sort of ride them because it, depending on where the ulcers are, it creates a lot of other issues. So now I'm kind of like, let's check ulcers right away. Let's check their teeth completely right away. And so there's a whole bunch of things we go through protocols that we didn't used to do before, but we've learned that those are important. And and definitely good dentistry is enormous. I'm not sure if this is a popular view or not, but we have found that power floating is really hard on horses. 
And the effective power floating shows up about six months after you power float. And you'll come up in lameness issues, head, like cranial pole issues, back issues. And there's a whole life thinking around that. So I thought I was doing a great job. So when I first started, I was getting power floated. And then I found out, luckily, pretty quickly. And sure enough, the horse that I was power floating had issues down the road. And now we don't do any power floating. And it has to do with what's happening. You have to really open their mouth up and look at the back and check their incisors. There's a lot to it. Even though it's a hand float, it's a very thorough hand float. And so that's another big thing we've learned. So, yeah. yeah. If you think about the vibration, just on that level, it's hard going. I don't think most people like the dentist anyway, do they? <laughs> well, no, we avoided at all costs. <laughs> I was going to ask you a question now. It's totally gone out of my head. Have you been to the UK, Ben? Have you traveled over to the UK? No, I haven't. And we've talked about going and then COVID kind of interrupted our plans too. So no, but I would love to go over sometime. I'm sure I know one person that'll be organizing that trip, and that's Sue. <laughs> I would love that if Sue did that. That would be great. Put a word in, okay? That's yeah, great. I'll remind her. I'll remind her. <laughs> so what have you got coming up? So you've talked about your workshops coming up. Is there any like fundraising or big events that you've got planned to help with the ranch? Oh, thank you. Actually, not this weekend. September 11th, we have our big fundraiser. Once a year, we do a big fundraiser. And we're not very good at raising money. I mean, in terms of asking for money, we're really bad at it. But obviously, we need a lot of money to care for this many animals. And in the United States this year, we have a really hard time getting hay because the fires in California, there's droughts. A lot of the Southwest, other places are getting inundated with rain. So that combination has, has made hay scarce this year. So it's shot the prices up. So feeding this many horses, yeah, it's going to be exciting. So since early July, we've been trying to find hay and we're kind of cobbling together. Normally we have a couple of sources we get from seeing place every year and they're just like, I don't have it. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing. And so this fundraiser is huge for us to be able to afford the hay once we find it. So yeah, it's expensive to run the ranch to have this many animals. The same thing happens here in the UK, but not the fires. If it's dry and they don't get a second cut or too much rain and it's wet. So we have a, have a similar thing, but I think in touch wood, it's not been so bad here. It's devastating when you see all the fires and the horses and the animals. Yeah. And how, they, how they're going to support them and how they're going to feed them. That's Right. Yeah. Right. So that hard year. I thought last year with COVID and in the United States, there was just so much unrest that a lot of people were just angry and tense and frightened. And you know, we talk about being quiet. I think there are a lot of people shouting suddenly to be heard that no one was talking in quiet voices anymore. And there wasn't discussion. It was like, my opinion, I got to override you. And I feel like that's kind of settled down this year. Maybe people are becoming more cohesive again, that they're working together. And I think that hopefully for this fundraiser, people will look around to see there's so many things to support. So we're so happy that they would look to us as well as one of the places they might support because obviously there's so much need out there. There's a lot of, lots of things going on in the world, lots of um, strange and interesting things, but that's, that's another story. I was just trying to go back to your conversation. Zoom was the, uh, the, your Arab, the, the four-year-old that you got. Who was the second horse that ended up with you? So we actually got like, four horses. One horse came from the same stable where Zoom had been, and that horse's name was Rain. We still have Rain. And then we found Comet and Comet, Indy, Cochise, and Cloud were our first words. And they're amazing. Indy's still here. Comet's still here. Reed's still here. 
both Cloud and Pochisa passed and Zoom was Zoom passed about a year and a half ago. So that's amazing that you still got those horses. And uh, I remember when I came, when he was talking about the herd, you've got the big herd and then there's lots of little pockets or little herds. It was lovely to watch them because I think you let them out in the big pasture. They were in one side and then you said, we're going to open up the huge pasture and they would all go out just walking out and then the next one would come and then they'd be running around to the, the side of the field and then they'd all start grazing. And it was so lovely, so lovely to watch and just really, really therapeutic. Yeah, I can't wait to come out and, and visit again. And Linda Tasker, there's a lady called Linda Tasker, yeah. who um, I've recently been introduced to because we've done some work together. And she put a picture up, it was a memory on Facebook when she'd been to see you. And I went, oh my goodness, I went there. And I think we must just miss <laughs> each other. Linda Task is amazing. And so is Ruth. Amazing. Sue. Amazing. So we've had some lovely people come from the UK. And um, you feel like you're instant friends. It's so much fun to have them come. And uh, I was just thinking about them, thinking, gosh, hopefully they'll come back soon. I know it's been crazy. So yeah, lovely, <laughs> lovely people. That's what she said, that she wants to come back out. It's such a small world when you talk to people. Uh, she was introduced for, um, through a lady introduced to me and I ended up doing a little bit of work with her and a, and a horse um, and then I found out that she'd been to your place and it's such a small world and Sue's mm-hmm. such a lovely lady as well yes your fundraiser is it a dinner and dance it's actually a dinner and concert who is actually he's a full-time park ranger at Rocky Mountain National Park one of the backcountry rangers but he's also a musician and he looks like John Denver. And he played a John Denver tribute. And it just so happens that Mark Rashid is also a musician. And so they do this great concert where they do a John Denver cover of all the songs. And it's so much fun. And we could do it in our, and early enough, we can do it in the backyard off the big, the main house. And so that's what we're doing in a barbecue. So it should just be fun. You know, I think it's good to have people get back together again. And I know it's a fundraiser, but I really, really want people to have fun too. We'll be back together seeing each other. So we're actually really looking forward to it. I've seen some videos of Mark and I think the gentleman you've talked about, one of his ranches, there was playing together. I think it's the same person. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about, um, Benedict? Because I'm conscious of time and I don't want to take up your day because I know you're busy. We know I could talk all day. So actually, thank you. You ask such great questions and you talk about all different things. I I think that that looking forward to Happy Dog is is actually seeing each of these programs that we do evolve. And that's what we like so much about them. Even the psychotherapy work is evolving. And I think because of their work with horses. And that excites us that we're taking them new directions. And because we're listening, we're hopefully we're going to have better answers and better techniques to help people you know, solve problems, mental health, that kind of thing, PTSD, and then treating the animals better. It's a ripple effect, you know, the more we get exposed to it, the more people will pass along. And that's really what we're hoping for. So that does feel really good. So have you ever tried, you do communicate with your animals and you pick up intuitive and you're very intuitive. I'm not just saying that because of what you do, but it's obviously you're very intuitive. Have you ever tried doing um, animal communication for yourself? You know, it's funny, every once in a while, I don't actively do it, but every once in a while, I hear a very clear message. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. And otherwise, I feel like I'm, I'm picking up just a few things here and there, but every once in a while, it's a very clear message. And so I do tend to trust that. 
especially if I think I'm being quiet and I'm not, I get very revved up. I go very fast. I talk really fast. Slowing down is my major obstacle. And so when I slow down and I'm quiet, it's funny the things that come up or the things that you notice that you wouldn't have noticed otherwise. And I always liken it to Harry Potter. There's that thing where they take that special potion and he had this idea he was going to go one way to do something, but instead he did something totally different. That's kind of what it's like, that if you're in that place of listening and going quiet and slow enough, you are aiming for one thing and then you just go the other way and that's where you're supposed to be because the horse is in trouble or something needs to be done. It's just, it's funny how life will guide you. And I, I think that I had no clue that we were going to become a horse rescue. I never thought getting Zoom that we were going to do anything like this. There was no master plan. The master plan developed, and I think because of these tugs, you know, you get this unquenchable desire to do something, mm-hmm. and you just start following that. The more you listen to that, the more it takes you where you are supposed to go. And I feel lucky, John and I both feel lucky that our purpose involves these animals and these people. So I think that's it. I think your purpose isn't something you think of ahead of time. It's something that kind of organically shows up. If you listen, it takes you in places you never thought you would go. If somebody had said to me that I'd be doing something like this, and I don't have a huge audience, I have my clients on my uh, business page, and you know they know me for who I am, and I share this with them, and I have the YouTube channel, and it's not a big following, but you know I still love doing it, and I love doing the podcast, but it's teaching me to do things that I wouldn't have dreamt of doing, like editing. It might take me like 20 hours more than a real editor, but I, I'm still an editor. <laughs> You're an editor. <laughs> and the thing is, you have to listen to it in real time. So as we're talking now, I am listening to you, but I'm also conscious of other things. So when I do the podcast, I will hear more depth to it. I'll hear different things. But when you were talking about communication earlier, th- sometimes it's the communication that's non-verbal and non emotion it's just really stillness and it's like a calm before a storm it's just that really quietness and when you connect to that it's absolutely beautiful and that to me is deep communication because it's just been in that little time zone with that horse and when they zone in as well you know that you're connecting with them and it can be two minutes it can be five minutes it can be you know 20 minutes later you can sit there and and they've gone off to sleep and it's just lovely and it's so beneficial for the horses, but for yourself, because it helps ground you. It helps just setting you down, quieting your mind down because your mind goes 20 miles an hour. So it's really good for that. And I, I explain to people that that is communication. It's not all about what they say. It's just listening, but they want you to listen to yourself because they want to help you too. They want you to sort yourself out. And to recognize what's inside you and that you can change things. It's not about fixing everything, but it's doing as much as you possibly can and not beating yourself up. Because if you're genuinely coming from the heart, you're going to make mistakes and you're not going to get it right. And sometimes when it's your horse, emotions take over uh, and it's harder to hear. Yeah. But when you're listening to maybe a friend's horse, that's why I was saying to you, have you ever done it? I don't need to ask that you do it. Um, it's easier because you haven't got that emotional attachment. Yeah. And it's lovely to see when they think, well, I'm not getting anything. I think, yes, you are. Just look at your horse. And especially if I get them to put their hands on 
and just breathe. Say, right, what are you feeling? And they'll go peaceful. I'll go, yeah. And then I'll say, but look at your horse. What is your horse doing? And the horse relaxes and then they sigh and they give a breath out and they can feel the ribs moving underneath. And I go, that's communication. That is communication. You're connecting, but they're connecting with you and that feeling is yours too. Um, sorry, I went off on a tangent there. No, no it's beautiful. I, and I'm so glad you brought that up because I think we kind of very agenda ridden, you know, I got to get this done today, this done today. And the, the horse is like, like you said, just stay with them. Don't have an agenda. You know, if today didn't feel like riding and you just stayed with them. And one thing Masterson method does is they call it a bladder meridian. And they slowly trace it and you will see your horse transform in front of your eyes. And I think if we're listening quietly, we just changed too. We started breathing deeper. We started relaxing. We connected without doing something and not expecting a result. Just listening. It's lovely. It's so lovely, you know. It's hard for humans, though, because we're used to being busy. And like you say, in our minds, even if we're relaxing, it's what am I doing tomorrow? What's going on there? But it's good training because when you're with the horse and you're more, you're more focused and it helps you to just quieten your mind down and just to bring that soft energy in, which um, I love. But even though I do what I do, <laughs> you know, it's different with my own horse and I miss lots of things and life gets in the way. And sometimes, you know, but it's easier just to get on with the day. And then I beat myself up afterwards, which you shouldn't do, but I do because I'm only human. Yeah. Um, and then I feel really bad. But sometimes if I'm going through stuff and there's lots of changes that's when it, it knocks you off balance easier and it's a bit harder to just get that nice little ripple rather than the ups and downs but I think if you're aware of it it's always going to happen but if you're aware of it you can go okay I'm doing it again and and then the time scale between those sessions is smaller yes because we're not monks and we don't live on a mountain and we can't just meditate all day my best meditating is poo picking. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All my great ideas come from I'm poo picking better day. <laughs> it's very zen, you know, chop wood, carry water, poop, poop. It's been really lovely chatting to you. I've got loads of questions in my head, but I didn't write them down and I should have done. But it was lovely chatting to you. And I hope that you'd like to do this again sometime. Actually, I've got one question because it's just come to me. My intuition is saying you've got to say this. You was talking earlier about that young child, the version of you. So if you could say something to that child, the one that didn't know she was going to have a horse and 53 acres and a beautiful husband that, that she, she shares her life with, just before she gets into that age where she's thinking, what's my life going to be? What do you like to say to that young Bernadette if you could see her now in front of you? That's a really good question. You know what? I think I would tell her, kind of like, don't sweat the small stuff and realize that your daydreams can come true and go for what you want, not what you don't want. So I feel like we fill our days with, I should do this. And we should actually be following more of what we would like to do. That makes sense. And then follow that with a, a good heart, because I think that if I get lost in worry, doubt, and fear, that takes me down in a very dark hole. And I can never see an answer for that. And if I'm not careful at the ridge, I can be looking around for problems instead of looking at the beautiful horses. 
and imagining them healthy. So imagining what you want to have, not what you don't want to have. And it feels like you're healthy by being worried, but you're not. I've, I've gone there and it doesn't help. So you picture what you need. Like even now, I don't know where the hay is going to come from. I'm going to picture that we have a pasture full of big rounds, just more horses. And you know what? It's always worked out. Even when I see that there's no other options, a miracle happens. So I totally believe in miracles. And I think that they come because you keep your options open by staying positive and looking for the good and yeah, what you want. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Somebody said that to me the other day. I know about the Masterson method. My dear friend, Sam, she tutors Masterson and she's moving away. She's got a, a home and they're moving away. So the horse is going with him. So we've got to find homes for our horses. And my horse has been there for, for the last seven years and it's changed. And it's actually what I've been asking for. I've been asking the universe. I need to move forward, but it's not just about moving my horse, I, I need to move forward. I need to do more of what I love. And it's not just um, about, so words carry vibrations. So when we have a conversation with somebody, the vibrations in that energy that we carry, it, it has meaning and it connects with whoever. And it might be just you say something, they hear it, and there's a little key, there's a little key and it's unlocked something. And not necessarily straight away, it can be later. And I think this is part of what I'm doing. So I love doing interviews and I love meeting my clients with the horses. But I always say to them, it's it's 90%, 80% the person, not the horse. It doesn't mean to say the horses don't have problems and they have things, but for them, they need that human to just offload and just see. And then they almost go away with, thank goodness for that. The physical things are still there, but I'm sure you know, as a lot of people know, if your head is in a good place, the physical you put up with or you just get through it. If your head is in a bad place, the pain in your body is 10 times worse. Yes. Because your head is actually adding to that. We could keep going. Say, what was I saying before then, Bernadette? <laughs> I know. But it becomes life changing. I look at our life before, which I thought was very fulfilling. And Zoom came into our life. This desire to have horses back in my life completely changed our trajectory. We just diverted completely from where we might have been going. And as far as myself, and I think John too, that I feel like now we have a life on purpose and not just about working and accumulating things. It is a life that gives back. And I think that then we saw the difference for us. You know, I don't have fulfilling that would have been for us eventually. So we did the right thing at that time. But the horses helped guide us to a different path. I just think how lucky we are that we had that and then we followed it. And this is where it took us. And just such remarkable people, you know. And it's your passion. I think if you do whatever your passion is that you're giving out, that's what you draw back to you. And if you get up in the day and it doesn't matter how hard it is sometimes. And it, yeah, it's never always a bowl of cherries. But you think, well, I've, I've got this and I can do this. And I'm so lucky. My world at the minute is I work with a lot of horses and I see my clients and I love that and I get to travel. But I also have a, a part-time job, which I call that my bread and butter work. You know, that's always there. Yeah. But I want to go more into what I'm doing because this is my passion. And I feel it. I don't know where. I don't have a crystal ball, but it's expanding. And I just trust it'll take me wherever I need to go. And it's 
it's not just about me. It's whoever I'm connected to, whoever I connect. And I love that. I love the fact that you don't actually know, but you can just feel there's something exciting just there. And sometimes I get impatient. (laughs) I'm told soon, but I'm well aware now that time frame in um, another dimension is not the same as this planetary time frame. (laughs) Soon can be like 20 years later soon. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And it's part of the journey, right? So even though we wanted to go straight ahead, whether it was mistakes or failures or just diversions happened, but they also got us prepared for when we get what we wanted. Yes. Sometimes you get things too fast and you're not ready. You know, it's not that you're not able to manifest it. You are, but now you got to really catch up to know how to handle this. And so I've gotten a little more contemplative about, I know now if you aim for what you want, if you keep your mind clear, and you really focus on even the smallest details of what it might look like, it will happen and just trust it. And trust it's going to happen in the perfect way in the perfect time. I have a really good friend and she works with the mind. She's an animal communicator, but she's gone into working with humans and, and the minds. And she's done so many different modalities to go with her skill. And she always says, which I truly believe myself because I've realized that about myself, you can be spiritual, you can be knowing, but if your head has a stronger opinion than that, it's that that gets in the way. But also what once was a protection, what once was a safeguard for you, it keeps you there because it feels safe. And sometimes that's when you get the struggle. You know that you should be moving, you know you should be doing something, but there's almost like two parts of you and it's the conflict. And sometimes, even though you know that and you've tried everything to shift past that, you just need a little help. And she helped me with a few little things. And it's amazing. She does kinesiology, muscle testing. We would sit in the chair and she would say, right, I'm going to read this story, but I'm going to ask you a question. And I said, okay, I know what the answer to your question is before you even say it. And it's, it's no, because I could feel my body shifting in the chair and it was like, oh, it's getting uncomfortable. <laughs> so once you're aware of your body, you, you know that it's reacting. Yeah. Even though your spirit, your essence of you is, no, no, this is it. And it's like, no, 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 I'm staying right here. And it's quite funny. I talk like two aspects of me. And sometimes I'll have a conversation saying, right, I know that was then, but this is now. <laughs> it's okay. We're not going down that same road. And I'm talking to myself in the car, driving along, and I'm having this conversation with myself. And sometimes I give myself a good telling off. I say, for God's sake, girl, get a grip. But that's the old you. This is not who you are now. Yeah. And when you're aware of that, it becomes easier. But those moments are less. The same as when you're with your horse and they help ground you. Those moments, they still happen, but they become less. Yeah. And I always look to me first. I always think, what am I not doing? Because it starts with me. That's right, though. I don't think we can do it by ourselves, whether it's our horses helping us or someone else who has a different perspective or a different insight. I think that all of it helps. So we have to go out of our comfort zone to help us. And those are some tough ones when we feel like we have to kind of put our armor on because that's how we get through the world. We have our shield up and then like, okay, I'm putting my shield down, but then we can learn. And if we realize that we don't need the shield anymore, that's a big difference. But I do think it's good to have help. I think that's why a lot of like-minded people find each other because they support and help each other and they all kind of are going in the same direction. 
it doesn't mean we're, you know, we're homogenous to the point we can't think separately, but I think it's important to know you're not alone in your journey. You don't always have to agree with each other. I think as you get older, it's like showing people that you have an opinion and you want to be noticed. I think it's about more about being noticed. And um, whereas now everybody can have their own opinion and you have to respect that, but you can still stay assured in yours. If it's coming from the right place and you feel it, you have to honour it and, and be true to who you are. I recently listened to the gentleman that I listened to and he talks about the energies of the month. And he was saying that at the minute there's lots of big changes and big energies going on and lots of confrontation and things. And he said about staying with who you are, but not burying that emotion because it's meant to come up because this is time for healing. And he talks about if you feel angry or if you feel scared or fearful because of what you see on the news, he says, acknowledge that to yourself and allow that feeling because as it comes through, it's like flushing something out. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be getting angry, upset and, and trying to sort of keep it in. It's meant to flow through. Right. It's not supposed to be like long term now. So we don't keep it in our heads and go on about it and talk to somebody else about it for months and months. We recognize it in ourselves. We acknowledge it. We feel it. And then once it's passed like that cloud and then you can let the next bit. I think this is on a planetary level that this is going on. Um, but before we go, I'm going back to my intuition. When I was looking at you talking and I asked you the question about what would you say to the young Bernadette? I'm getting in age now. I'm getting a young woman, Bernadette, and she feels 2023. 20, so please forgive me if this doesn't feel like you then. And I feel that you're on the cuff of something. And it's a change within yourself, but it's an understanding. And what I'm being told is there was a point in your life, and this might not be the exact age, that how you thought of things were coming through. And you recognize it because you could have gone on a different route. But what they're saying is you opened up to you and you were channeling you. And this is when you connected big time with you as as a young adult I'm not sure I'm making sense here what I'm trying to do is translate it as it's coming so does any of that make sense Bernadette it totally makes sense yes I think that there comes a time when all things you've been taught to believe you have to question them and say do I believe this am I in alignment with this and if I'm not it was kind of you were saying before about your body moving I, I feel like there was almost a physical dissonance happening inside me I said, I can't do that anymore, you know, and I'm that with my guide that I can't walk that walk anymore. I can't pretend that I like that. I'm going to go along with that philosophy or that spirituality. I'm, not, I'm just not going to do it anymore. And I think that is true that, yeah, <laughs> kind of shucked everything. I think at the time before my late 20s, I got into martial arts and I have two children then. My first was born when I was 22 and the second was born when I was 26 and I wanted to know if they could take care of themselves, but I wanted to make sure they had a martial art that was also very, sounds weird, non-aggressive, but more about building up their own sense of self-esteem and their place in the world and to ground them so that they wouldn't, in a physical sense, ever feel like they had to do something, that they could make their own choices. So I got into martial arts then, and I realized a lot of people thought that I had taken that on as a religion because I was very devoted to what physically it was doing in terms of grounding me and being positive 
And again, this idea that our bodies are really programmed to be so positive. If you lift weights, you will get stronger. If you do this, you will get that. But somehow in our mind, we doubt that. But in fact, anything we do consistently, we will get. So that's thoughts, actions, all of it translates that way. And I think martial arts can show me that. Then you could just take a stance and you could have this confidence that came from physical sense of balance and coordination and a skill set, you know, if you needed it. So, yeah, but I wasn't feeling that in other places. They were walking their walk. They were talking about it in these terms and they were actually doing that as opposed to people who talk one thing and do something else. You know, they talk about this is only for self-defense, but actually they were looking for a fight. You're like, well, that's not actually it, isn't it? If you're looking for a fight, then that's not safe. And, and I feel like there are a lot of people that were talking one way, whether it's religious connotations or something else, but they weren't acting it. That love wasn't transferring across the board. And so, yeah. Thank you for sharing. When I'm talking to people, I get things that uh, that, that, that come forward and, and it's like, remember to say that. And I got something else, but yeah, I'm going to say that privately, actually. So thank you so much for tonight's interview. I, I hope you felt relaxed and I always feel a bit nervous when I come on, but I like to be prepared and the computer was playing it and I, I sort of came on with a bit too much high energy. So I hope that I made you feel relaxed and I would love to do this again. And maybe next time have John with you because that would be nice. And we can talk about your life together. And, and from his perspective, Bernadette. <laughs> That'd be fair. One of them, he really believes he's retired. <laughs> yeah, right. That would be true. Yes. You should hear John. He spoke to him. So is, is there anything that you'd like to say before you go or... No, I, I think you did a great interview, by the way. I wait talking to you, you and you came, how fun that was, and we and race. And the things that happen at Happy Dog Ranch, it's a village. You know, we have amazing staff, Gray, Louise, Brian, my son, John. I mean, people come and visit at that volunteers. So it it isn't one person. It may have been started with a dream that we didn't realize what we were dreaming, but the reality of it is all these other people are in place in parts that are moving. So yeah. It's a community. Community. It's, it a com- it's a lovely community. And that's definitely what I definitely felt that. And obviously everybody else does because you have such amazing reviews. And Sue can't say enough good things about it. So thank you, Ronnie. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this interview. Bernadette's lovely and everybody at the Happy Dog Ranch. If you want to know any more about it, I shall put a link on. So you can go straight to her website and her Facebook page. And if you want to ask any questions to Bernadette, I'm sure she'll get back to you through uh, the website or her Facebook page once again. And they do have an Instagram account as well. Thank you very much and I should catch up with you soon. Bye for now. Bye. You've been listening to Ronnie King at Equine Voices. Thank you for listening and speak to you soon.